in 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory. At the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, welcome to episode 235 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. The Wolves 77 <laughs> Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter. Is it, is it dropping out? No, I'm not into that, Harry. Harry. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Uh, Twitter, podcast, Spotify. This could be a car crash. Ignore me. Carry on, lads. <laughs> uh, Jack Williams is here. No, I'm joking. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's having it. I'm not having it. Uh, And Dan Bayliss. Hello, everyone. Um, Well, I was away in Cyprus. Uh, I enjoyed listening to the podcast by the side of the pool. Um, So well done for for getting it done. Well done to to Harry for hosting it as well. Um, Because his internet is so bad, it may well catch up with itself in a second. But I'm going to start with... um, Crystal Palace, Jack, uh, one of the two on the podcast that went. The other was Bayless, but let's start with you. Um, starting 11, I think most people would have predicted, would have probably been happy with. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, on paper, it was about as good as what we could put out, really. Um, Sarabia, obviously, four assists midweek. So you think he's justifies coming into the starting lineup. Um, but as it turned out, I don't think he actually touched the ball. Um <sighs> So I know it's probably a bit harsh, but it was just a really, really frustrating uh, Sunday afternoon, really all round. Um, first thing, it was probably the hottest game I've been to in a long time. I was down the front and I think I've, I've 
been all over Europe pretty much in the summer of the month of August, and I got sunburned at Crystal Palace away. <laughs> so I know it doesn't happen very much at, at that place because it's usually a swimming pool if it starts to rain. But it it was just a, a really drab performance against a team which I think were there for the taking, particularly in the first half. It was just it was just one of these occasions where they couldn't really string a pass together. Um, we looked the better team just about. We had, we, we stuck, looked all right in the first half, but we're just scared of shooting. I know this is like you know a week and a half ago now, but there were occasions where it was just kind of comical. The fact the build-up play was pretty good. We were winning the ball in midfield. We had a good first half, turning things over, playing the ball out wide to Neto, who was probably our best player on the day. But then when we got into the box, people were looking to pass rather than shoot. When we were 10 yards away from the goal, it was actually just comical. And so then what happens is Crystal Palace come out in the, the second half and then just start looking like, ripping us apart on the prime Barcelona with a passing and we lose the game, a game that was there for the taking all because we didn't score when we were on top, really, from my opinion. I haven't watched any of this back, by the way. I'm going from memory, just from watching it from the terraces, but you guys can chip in on that. Go on, Bez. Yeah, I saw it a little bit differently. I actually thought Wolves were in the game for quite a long period. Jack's totally right. Didn't take our chances. Fuck knows why they won't shoot at goal. Like, no idea. It was just ludicrous because we played quite well they scored a goal because inevitably we do the classic thing of playing well then conceding one Huang got a good equaliser game's in the balance 50-50 game could have gone either way but Wolves are in it and then the fucking PE teacher (laughs) gets his stopwatch out makes some changes Wolves go to utter shit they score two quick ones game over honestly it was proper year seven PE teacher. It was it was it was diabolical. He made two changes. It was one all, quite a good game of football that could have gone either way. And then he tries to shore it up, takes a forward off. Fabio did look knackered. And you think, great, stick the big man on, away from home, smash and grab. Doesn't matter. He tries to shore it up. The midfield go to pot. Palace start passing it around. And we just forget how to defend. It was it seems like he made a change, but there was no tactical change that went with it. He just sort of went, oh, we'll put another midfielder on the pitch and try and shore it up. But I'm not going to tell any of them what I'm doing. Because none of them had a clue. No, I think it's But right. honestly, if... You know the Bournemouth fans we're sort of getting comments from sort of saying, yeah, he kept us up, but he's not a fantastic manager. Mm. I now get it. I now totally get it. Because Wolves were in that game until about the... What if, when did we score? What time did we score? It's a couple of weeks ago now, so I can't remember. 50 odd. 50 minutes, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Just not long after So I'd say for, for an hour, we were well in that game and Palace did look like, just towards the end of the second half, they were there for the taking. But then, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to start just calling him Mr. O'Neill because he is just a PE teacher. <laughs> uh, 65 minutes, uh, Wang scored. Um Harry, reasons to be cheerful. I thought Neto was was okay. Obviously got his, his two assists, which probably made it look a little better than it probably was, um, more possession. Uh, but I think it does come down to the fact that, Jack's point, we don't seem to shoot at the right time. And if you're not going to shoot, you're not going to score. Yeah, um, Neto was probably our shining light, two assists. Probably could have done better, though, in my opinion. I think he could have run up them a lot more. I thought Fabio Silva was awful, absolutely <laughs> awful. Number nine shirt, shocking. Um at the back, Kilman was awful. Jose saw at a moment of madness again where he just give him the ball first half. Luckily, Kilman cleared yeah. it off the line. And yeah, we, we crumbled like we did against Brighton at home. 
um, two quick goals and just give up. Simple as that. I agree with Bayliss. That substitute cost us the game. Bringing on Babacar Traore, Fabio Silva. I think only Gary O'Neill knew what he was trying to achieve with that because no one else did. And it was a shame because we had a good win at Everton, good win against Blackpool. And then we just go and perform like that. And I thought Palace were there for the taking first half. Like Bayliss said, I thought we were pretty good up until Saar lost his head. And then obviously we gave him the goal second half. But we scored two goals, but the scoreline doesn't tell the full story, does it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I thought Eze made a difference, Jack. Obviously, he's he's now in the England squad, a, a very good player. So, you know, Zaha moves out and, and, and Eze sort of comes to the forefront a little bit more. He was a thorn in that side last season as well. Um, but the, the, the engine room, the Laminas and the Joe Gomez's of the world just didn't seem to be on it at all. Well, Gomez was a bit of a passenger, wasn't he, to be honest, I think, in, in that game. There was a few performances where you just look across the pitch and you think, yeah, they're just, just, just not good enough, really. I mean, I called out Sarabia earlier. Um, and, yeah, I'd forgotten about um, Jose Sarr's moment of madness where, where, again, we've been playing all right, quite in the game, away from home and on top. And, and on another day, that would have just been a mistake, again, from his just you know poor distribution and kicking under pressure where he could have let him back in and, you know, you know we could have... Uh, fallen behind before half time, which would have been even worse. And uh, yeah, going back to what Bailey said about the substitution, I had forgotten about that actually, but that was that was the turning point. And I, I think it says a lot about the mentality of of the manager. And you can read a little bit into it, just the fact it was such a really a, a sort of a defensive change in that position. Ever since we've come back in the Premier League, we've got used to going for a game until it's until it's to the death really think about particularly in the first few seasons how many late winners or late equalizers we've had from those positions whereas i think he was just thinking right one one i'll take that that point 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 more towards safety a point away from home in the premier league is good kind of the mentality you would have had with burn with, with bournemouth last season and just thought right hey, i'll take that let's throw another midfielder on flood the midfield and we'll, we'll take it and it, it's it's not what we want to see we think we're better than that we've got players who should be better than that and it was just a poor choice which you know changed the game and then Kilman and dawson just looked off the pace when they were being passed around really and i don't know what what anyone was doing Jack, um but it was so inevitable the second he made that, we dropped back. We went onto like almost a half court press. You know, we dropped in, let them play the ball in their own half and come at us. And you just saw it. Over five minutes since that when they made that substitution, Palace just pressed on and pressed on and pressed on. Then we gave them a chance. Then they had another chance. You just thought, absolute matter of time until they score here. So if we're going to be in one all situations in a fight for points. If that's what Mr. O'Neill thinks he's going to do for the season, he isn't going to last very long. I love it how you stick into that. I hope it lasts the season. Uh, he, he probably won't. It won't last um, a fucking Christmas. <laughs> uh, Harry, I think, you know, we're a little bit down in the dumps with it. And I think a lot of people were calling it an, an acid test, as we were calling Everton an acid test. And it seems that every game is going to turn into an acid test. But, you know... We, Can we I have some acid it? to watch that? <laughs> it make it more interesting, certainly. Um, but, you know... We, we obviously lost Nunes uh, in, in the manner that we did, and we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a minute. But the new signings have, have come in. Uh, Gonzalez was on the bench. We didn't get to see him. Obviously, he's not ready. He's very, very young. He's very, very raw. Could be another Fabio Silva on our hands, probably. Um, but, you know, we've got some players to come in. Do you think they will be sort of looking at that and going, I've, I've got a chance of getting into the starting eleven here? Oh, 100%. Um 
I have actually titled this podcast "Why Wolves Why Wolves Will Shock Liverpool," and the reason I've put that is because I think we're going to switch to a five. So I think we're going to see Santi Bueno involved a lot. Now we've got the four centre backs because we can't keep leaking goals like we have been. Um, I know Bayliss has lost his head as usual about Gary O'Neill, which I, you know, I can't, I can't disagree with what he's saying. But apart from that substitute with the Babacar Traore move, every everything else he's done so far as Wolves manager, I've agreed with. And I'd have took, I'd have probably took four points out of these first four games. We've got three. You know, you'd have took a win against Everton and, and try and get a draw out of one of the other ones, ideally. And so, yeah, I think the new players are going to be involved. We need them. Um, Santi Bueno probably will be the favourite to come in. And the midfield, I forget his name, was it Balgard? Balgard, yeah. I think he'll, get, he'll be involved. Um, but I do think we might see a five at the back, which we'll go on to more for the Liverpool preview. But um, we missed, I wish we'd have got another striker because Fabio Silva just can't score. It's pretty plain to see now. I want to start Sasha if he's fit enough because I think he makes a difference when he comes on. And yeah, um, but we're just below par, in my opinion. And there's a long way to go. And if we get a couple of wins out of these next four, which is going to be very difficult, we'll all be happy again. Let's just have a, a quick look at the international break, just because it goes moves on from the point that Harry just made there about Fabio Jack. And uh, two goals, two assists for Portugal under-21s last night. It was against... I think, I, I think it was against Andorra, which means that it wasn't against Farmers. It was against Young Farmers. So maybe that's his level. Maybe it will give him a boost. Uh, which one out of those two options do you think it will be? Because with all intents and purposes, he's probably going to be starting the next game. I I swear we have a similar conversation with this every few weeks, every few months about Fabio now. It's just, oh, he scored for, insert name of team, which isn't Premier League level. Surely that'll be, boost his confidence or he'll start banging them in for us. And there's just one moment that's just repeated in my head from, from that Palace game where he just should have shot and he tried to just square it across the box. And I just can't get that out of my head. That's because he's low on confidence, you know, ha- Erling Haaland is is going to hit that straight away and it will be, be in the back of the net taking it out, won't it? But Fabio thinks he's in a scoring position. I'm going to try and lay somebody up here for a tap-in rather than take it on myself. So, yeah, I think I, I, I'm with Harry. I mean, I don't think he's done too badly overall since he's come in again. Yeah, you know, he's done all right considering. I know he can't score, but I think freshening it up and if Kaladzic is fit, then potentially, um, potentially, yeah, bringing him in. But we, we need something. We need to refresh it because... I'm just a bit worried. I know after the Man United game, everybody seemed you know quite positive in the fact that O'Neill's come in short notice, no pressure. We played really well, but have we played well in any game since then? Really, Everton we got out of jail. I don't know how we won that game overall. Let's be brutally honest. I don't Blackpool. think we should have won. <laughs> so, so, Jose Sark, Blackpool. he's up for he's up for save of the month, isn't he? For that save, uh, Jose Sark. Great save. It was, yeah. It was a great save, yeah. You know, and that's that's the, there's a few moments in that game where he really kept us in it, and we managed to score really probably a little bit against the runner play in the second half. But apart from that, the performances, despite there being some good bits, I mean, we played well against uh, Brighton in spells, didn't we? I think, despite mm-hmm. then then getting battered later on, there's been some good moments. But you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer, does it? It's one of these uh, things you can be good for 15 it's... minutes, but if you don't get it, they got um, do do they it. got like clang- clangor of the month because Jose saw win that as well, wasn't he? If we we take an aim, all the accolades. Do you want to go back to the Fabio Silva scoring against Andorra's under 21s? Go on. Here we go. (laughs) How warm was a penalty? There are about 260,000 people in Wolverhampton, and there are just shy of 80,000 in Andorra. So you can take a third (laughs) of the under 21s that live in Wolverhampton. (laughs) They have to play against an international football team. That's what he was up against. (laughs) So he scores oh, against Blackpool mad. and Andorra. That's his level. 
I am just laughing. Sorry, I am just laughing at the comment section because at, at one point, <laughs> at one point, it was chaotic rager in there, and then Harry's asked him what he's having for dinner, and he's he's having chili and chips with some beers, mate. And Harry said, "Lovely." He said, "It smells lovely." So <laughs> I think it's just Harry's Harry's in his own little world at the moment, talking about what he's having for dinner with I think the one person watching on YouTube. Um, okay. So I've like completely lost my train of thought now. Um, but sticking with the international break, um, some 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 news about Gabon. Uh, they have failed to qualify for the African Cup of Nations. Boo, sad. Oh. But that means Lamina will be available in January um, due to them not qualifying. So there's some there's some good news. I want to just talk very very quickly, Harry, about Gareth Southgate because he kind of reminds me of a little bit of Gary O'Neill, not just in the way that he's very, very negative manager, um, but also like they, they look quite similar as well. Um, but there were rumours that he was potentially going to leave the England job. Uh, and they've just got some betting odds on, on where he could go next. And this sort of just shows you what, you know, some people are calling him an elite manager or he could walk into any side. And, you know, the, the betting odds don't really back that at all. I mean, the favourite is Crystal Palace, 12 to 1, Aston Villa, 16 to 1, Norwich, 16 to 1, Rangers, 16 to 1, any MLS club, 16 to 1, any Saudi Pro League club, 18 to 1, Ipswich, 18 to 1, <laughs> Burnley, 20 to 1, Everton, 20 to 1, Wrexham, 20 to 1. Just, just your thoughts on Gareth Southgate at the moment, because he's coming in for a lot of stick, but obviously he beat Scotland. Last night, uh, Scotland <gasps> a very not very, Scotland, a, a, a very rich vein of form. Though. I mean, they're they're in. In, yeah, they're in, the in, in twenty. Um, but yeah, um, it's really friendly against Scotland on Southgate, mate. Uh, I think he's done a really good job of England, but he's time. It's time to go, as Claude once said on AFTV. He's just he's fell into the classic traps of picking his favourites like Henderson, Maguire. It's just like he's frustrating now. He needs he needs a fresh idea. He's a fresh manager. I mean, when he took Bellingham off against Ukraine, I just thought, yeah, I've had enough of this. I switched it off. Um, yeah, I think he's done a good job, but it's time to go. Simple as that. Poor result against Ukraine. Should be beating them. Good result against Scotland, but I reckon a slot could put the boots on and beat Scotland, let's be honest. You know, they're not that good. Okay, that's an exaggeration. They're doing well. <laughs> they're doing well. Yeah, but um, yeah, we ain't going to win anything with Southgate. He's a bottle job. When we get to finals or semifinals, he's too negative. He won't go on the front foot and get our stars to win us the game. He'll sit back, hang on, and hope we've been on penalties. He's done a good job, don't get me wrong. He's put the belief back in. He's put the connection back with the fans. But now it's time for him to move on. Yeah, we need an exciting, We need a manager that wants to play attacking, aggressive types of football. And it, it means we crash out in a silly stage to someone because of it. I still think it's the only way England are going to win a World Cup or a Euros. We are good enough. We've got probably the most exciting young talent in world football at the moment. And I think we always say this, don't we? Deja vu. Yeah, yeah. we have. Mm. I, yeah, we did. We did it in the early two thousands too. We, we didn't. You know, it's yeah, deja vu. It's always the same. <laughs> the early two, the two thousand six era was. I think oh, we two. had. A ve- we, well, we had yeah. a very very good start in eleven, but I don't think the bench was particularly brilliant. That's the. It's always boring. It's always conservative, boring managers. It's never like let's go and play a good game of football. Let's go get Pep. Yeah. Not Pep, but you know, like a... Not the best manager in the world. I don't know. I'm now trying to rack my brain. Let's get Warnock in. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to beat Plymouth. Uh, Okay, right. Let's um, let's move on to uh, Liverpool. Um, I mean, some of the stats are just... 
not very favourable at all. Liverpool have won 12 of the last 13 Premier League games against Wolves. The only exception being that 3-0 win for us at home last season under Lopetegui. Um, maybe some reasons to be cheerful, though, Harry. Uh, Liverpool have won, non, won none of their Saturday six, uh, 12.30 kickoffs in last season's Premier League, drawing three, losing three. Um, I suppose all we can do is hope that they carry that run into this season. <laughs> Clutching at straws a bit. And I know Van Dyke's out as well, isn't he? After being suspended, um, which is good. But as I said, I think there's going to be a big shake up. I think we might see the same formation as what we played against Blackpool a 3 4 3 or a 3 5 2, depending on which way you want to look at it and what you think he'll do. And I th- yeah, I think it's needed as well because if we go 4 4 2 or 4 4 1 1 and try and go toe to toe with Liverpool, we'll get absolutely spanked and we'll be conceding four or five goals. So I, I, that's my prediction. I'm probably wrong because I'm usually wrong about everything, but I really do think Gary O'Neill might switch it up a bit, try and be solid at the back, hit him on the counter. New no days, here we go. But no, I'm joking. But what I will say is if he does do that, I hope we keep the aggression up and the high press. And Because we have created a lot of chances in these first few games, just we can't score. And we've just got to stop leaking these goals. So that's my big bold prediction. We're going to go three centre-backs on the pitch. Uh, Jack, do you concur with that? What are your thoughts starting 11-wise? I don't know. It's a difficult one because I don't really know, particularly with the new additions, like who's been training, who's actually match fit, who's who's ready to play, particularly going back when the transfer window closed, obviously just before the international break. I, I really don't know the setup or much about these new players. I, I I would like to see it freshened up, kind of like Harry said, a change of formation, change of personnel. But I've, I don't think I've seen much in from Gary O'Neill yet, yet to suggest he's going to make massive changes when coming back. He'll probably stick to what he's worked on already. Players have been away for the international break and it might just be a similar sort of uh, team selection to the game against Palace, to be brutally honest. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't got much high hope for this one. I don't know about you guys, but it's it's looking, it's obviously a difficult game and um, Liverpool has started quite well and I just, I can't see us Based on what I've seen so far, again, not just the results, but the performances, I just I just can't see anything. Mm, they struggled against Newcastle, though, didn't they? Did you watch that? It is. Yeah, but they're better than they us, aren't they? Like, it's, like, all, these teams, like, <laughs> all these teams are better than us. Most teams are. If they got battered by Luton, I'd have some hope. But, I, I, I <laughs> you know. Bayless, that's one for you in the comments. That's one for you, look. Yeah, got to have a Matt, start. I thought smedo has been good at the back, but he didn't look great against Palace and couldn't get forward. Uh, he offers nothing going forward at all. So maybe it is time for Doc to have a go if we go to a five. I mean, the only thing that could be useful on Saturday is if someone pops down to Wolverhampton Cricket Club and asks to borrow the scoreboard because it <laughs> could be anything. We have no way to do it. Is it time for Sasha to start though, Harry? Uh, you know, goal, goals off, goal off the bench um, against Everton, obviously got the winner. Um, came on. He's just something different, isn't he? And, you know, we know that Neto can be flash in the pan, but when that one flash in the pan is is a perfect whip cross and, and he's, we're, get, we're walking away from three points and absolute steal, it seems like a little bit of a no-brainer to me. Yeah, if he's fit enough, he's got to be in there because they're trying to bring him back slowly, aren't they, after his injury. Get him up there with Cunha, for me. I think Fabio's had enough chances now. Give him a rest. Bring him on, maybe. Yeah, I agree, mate. I'd get Sasser in there and hope he can get bang and head in. Edda, shoulder, anything. Knees, toes, any, they all count. Jack, score prediction? So Liverpool beat Villa 3-0, didn't they? So 3-0, <laughs> to be honest. Liverpool. Mm, Harry. 
I'm going to go because Liverpool struggle in these early kickoffs. I'm going to say we're going to sneak a 1 1, an undeserved 1 1. Shock Liverpool, as the title says. <laughs> uh, Bayliss? 4 0. Do you think we'll Wolves. score 4? <laughs> 4 0 Liverpool. Um, I'm going to go with Harry, actually. I'm going to go sneaky 1 1. And I don't care if we don't deserve it because we've been absolutely robbed against them in league cups, everything. So we're, we're due one. And looking at those stats, we definitely do one. Um, but looking at our stats for the last sort of two and a half years, I'm not really overly optimistic. Um, let's have a look at your latest betting odds and ticket news. I mean, this is exactly what you would expect. Mm-hmm. We are. We're, we're six to one. You can probably Value get better FC. with other bookies. So wow. just win it. Win it. Six to one. Yeah. So give you a rough idea. I did a couple of Liverpool ones just to set the tone. So a 3-0 Liverpool Gakpo to score first, 45 to 1. That's quite 5 nil Liverpool Nunes to score first, 110 to 1. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. And then you get into the Wolves, the sort of Wolves ones. Silver to score first, two all draw, 140 to 1. And the only one that's like, it's worth a quid. Neto to score first, 1-0 Wolves, 185 to 1. That is long. And then I did a little bet builder because I heard you both say draw. Mm. So a draw, Huang Hee Chan to score a goal and Fabio Silva to have two or more shots on target, 60 to 1. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, he, mm. he'll actually have to shoot. Huang, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we are, we are long in the odds. If Talking of Huang. Go on, Harry. Bayless, did you see him getting racially abused at Palace? It happened again, didn't it? I don't know if you heard about it. From where I was sat, I could see about four inches of the pitch, mate. That's true. Yeah, you posted that, <laughs> wasn't it? He said, thank you for three quarters of a game. I mean, to be fair, they're pretty due a little bit. Usually, yes. four inches is all you can see all the time, isn't it, Bayless? And you look down. <laughs> it's just the end of your nose, that is. <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously, I think they've arrested someone, haven't they, um, on that. I don't know why it keeps... Has it happened no, before at Palace, you say, Harry? Yeah, apparently, yeah. It's happened twice now. Um, yeah. I'm surprised it happens there, are you? Aren't they like, are they like no, that? Palace massive shithole. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Croydon. It's a fucking dump. You live oh, near okay. there. Yeah, you live there, don't you? That... <laughs> I live in a nice bit. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, Jack, has your ticket news? Ticket news, yeah. So, Liverpool, Saturday. There's a few single tickets knocking around for that. You can see now with the new Ticketmaster website experience which one of those are like resale tickets. There's a lot of resale tickets knocking around for that, particularly single tickets going spare for Saturday. So, you can, if you've got spare 60 quid, you can go and sit in the Billy Wright Upper. There's loads in there if you want one of those. Um, great way to spend a or to ruin your Saturday. Um, yeah. Next game after that is Luton away. Um, so unsurprisingly, very small allocation for that. It's going to be taken up just mainly by the gold season ticket holders and there'll be a ballot for the uh, silver away season ticket holders. So very little chance of getting a ticket for that unless you're already on the on the gold or potentially silver away season ticket scheme. Um, then no, no chance. And anything that's less than uh, like a normal capacity, so less than three thousand, like Bournemouth or Luton, I, I struggle with to be honest. It's uh, yeah, they go to the the gold or, or away syndicate holders and the silver away syndicate holders first. So yeah, unfortunately not. But hey ho, um, 
actually think about it, that'd be a big game wouldn't it because that's Luton will probably be Massive. playing for their first their first points of the season then potentially I'm not sure who they game in between against I think it's against Fulham so they'll be eyeing that up straight away as particularly their first home points of the season so that's going to be a pressure game looking at that one so who knows I remember going to Luton under Solbacken and we lost when they were in the conference so you know, we'll see see how that goes um after that, we've got a, a glamour tie away at Ipswich in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday, the 26th of September. Absolute horrible away trip for a Tuesday night for anyone making that allocation of £2,400, uh, £20 a piece. I'll be surprised if they all sell, to be honest, because it's, it's quite pounds. a long way, isn't it? But, but yeah, do we think that's expensive? Yeah, I think I think £15. Yeah, that's pound terrible. Or should we like five yeah. of so, yeah, fair play to any Wolves fans making the journey for that all the way from Wolverhampton on Tuesday night. Um, then what we've got after that, we've got Man City, home games against Man City and home games against Villa, actually. Um, the tickets for Man City are currently on sale to members. There's a few left for that, particularly in the temporary stand in the corner. And then tickets for the Villa game on Sunday, the 8th of October, which is a two o'clock kickoff on a Sunday on sale to membership plus members at the moment. So you can use that to, if you, it's one of your priority games, you get you to get a little bit ahead of the rest of the members, basically. I hope you're a membership plus person. I think that's how it works anyway, but yeah. Nice run of fixtures that, isn't it? Pretty tough. <laughs> we better, if we don't win Luton, then O'Neill's gone. Because we, we probably ain't getting any points no. until the end of with the October. Yeah, sack if we lose to Luton, I like. Come on. No, 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 not after Luton, but I mean that could that could be the end of it if we go on a run because I don't think we'll pick up points after Luton for a little bit. Man City Villa, like nah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being a bit dramatic and a bit negative. We'll beat Villa, but, you know. Ah, oh, will will we? I know we mm-hmm. always do, but you know, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, did anyone see the uh, VAR mic'd up show? Um, that was on, I think it was on Sky, wasn't it, uh, Harry? Yeah. We um, got to hear the uh, the very calm and collected behind this behind the scenes audio of what goes on in the VAR room, which I, it sounds a little bit like if you have a pen full of chickens and then you throw twelve foxes into it. I imagine it sounds very very similar. <laughs> yeah. What I took from it was how the referees ignoring what they were saying. He was just like. Nope, I'm not having it. And then they, and the fact that they were just like, sorry, no contact with Kalaji. It was a calamity, but at least Howard Webb was holding his hands up. And do you know what? Fair play to him for doing that because I bet he really didn't want to because that was like an absolute howler, wasn't it? And do you know, listening to it as well, that's exactly how I imagined it. It, it went when I thought about how they spoke about it. And as we discussed at the time, and Bayless quite rightly pointed out, it probably isn't a conspiracy theory. It probably is just crap referees. And that clip proved that they're just not good enough. That's all it proved. It's, it's what, arrogance, what arrogance to have the ability to go and refer something and check what you've done and then to have the sheer audacity to ignore it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It clearly says there's a problem here. You, this needs to, we need to have a look at this. And the bloke's going, no, no. Oh, make sure you That's book Mr. O'Neill. <laughs> no, no. Like, make sure you book <laughs> Mr. O'Neill. That's what it said. That's what I said. I love about it. Listen, listen. Bayless last week and the week before that and the week before was like, I've turned over a new leaf. I'm positive only now. <laughs> it took a week for him to be caught to switch. Mr. O'Neill, PE teacher, back down in the dumps. Yeah, I love how he's, you, ro- he, he's not even thinking about it. It's just rolling off the tongue. He's just calling him Mr. O'Neill out of nowhere. He's <laughs> not, not right. even stumbling over it. I had to sit through, oh, stand through that. And it was bad. Like, we were in the game and it was that bloke's decision that ruined the game. So he's going to get both barrels until he proves otherwise. 
Jack, what do you think about the, the mic to VAR room show? I think it's an absolute, absolute shit show. It sounds like a bunch of fucking teenage virgins shouting over FIFA in the living room over each other. Um, they should all be ashamed of themselves. It's a complete and absolute shambles, a disgrace to the game, a disgrace to other sports and the way they've implemented technology far better. Um, and it was just like, well, what is going on here? And it's probably, if anything, just highlighted stuff we probably already knew was going on about it just being such a mess, not 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 ran properly. Why is there three of them, like all talking over each other at the same time? Surely if, if a decision is clear and obvious, you need to amend it. It only takes one brain to do that, not three. Um, again, there's a whole problem just with the whole process of you map it out in your head and just it's just all over the place. And particularly the Man United decision, for me, just proves something that I think was has been going on all the time. And it's just the, I don't even know if you can call it unconscious bias, because I think they know. They know that, that they're doing this on purpose. And if, if, if that decision for that penalty had gone the other way, there would have been a different decision. And the reason for that is when it's against Man United or against Man City, against Liverpool, as you saw with the Man City offside as well, they look for a reason to give the big team the decision. When it's the other way, they look, they do the opposite. They look for a reason, oh, is there a way we can rule this out? Because we don't want the backlash from it. And it just proves it is a shambles. The fact they can look at that and just go, the keepers completely come in, taken out two players long after the ball has gone. And the reason was, oh, it's, you know, they're all going for the ball. They're just coming together. It's not, it's assault. And the fact you're even trying to justify it as a coming together shows that you're being biased towards that club. Absolute shit show. Get rid of it. I've had enough of it. I've had enough of all of them. Just sack them all, start again. Let's get an AI bot in to just do it. Just referee by... It, it would be a bit ropey at first, but once it's learned it, it would just it would apply the rules to the rule book exactly and say, that's a decision, decision. turn it around in a few seconds, sorted, rather than a bunch of absolute virgins shouting over each other not have a clue what's going on. You were almost bang on until you went to AI down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you were so right. It's, complete, it's a complete shit show. It is. I think... I think... Go on, Dan. They're so evidently biased. That's the problem. And you know it's going to happen again this season. You know that Sar is going to come and clatter someone and it'll be a penalty. But what but it should be. <laughs> we're, we're sat here. Most of the people listening to this that listen, the thousands that will listen to other fans talking about it, all have the same viewpoint. We're all in agreement. So why is there a group of people running the game that are not listening to the people that watch it and the people that want to enjoy the sport? Like, surely the players must think differently. Surely no player is enjoying how the game's being officiated. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because also, aside from the VAR shambles, it's the added time thing again. And that mm. seems to have been sort of half-assed week one. It was like, yeah, let's do it. Week two sort of tails off a bit. And now it just seems like it's a really, really bad cocktail of bollocks. That's crap. We had it at Palace. <laughs> they checked they check the Huang goal. And then you're all stood in the stadium having no idea what's going on. The ref stood there with the ball in his hand. And then it just says checking. No one has a clue what's going on. And then apparently, having watched it back, it was so obviously onside. There was, you know, oh, you'd yeah. have looked at it for that long and you've gone, yeah, crack mm. on. I just, I don't know. Pay peanuts, get monkeys, right? We haven't got professionals doing the job, so we're getting a crap service. It's true. 
It's true. And no, uh, to be honest, it, it's, I think it's a grassroots problem as well because there, there are no referees hardly coming through at all because it is a, it's a thankless task, task especially at, at the lower level. And then obviously you want to go and get abused by many, many thousands of people every week. Um, then I think it goes back to what Dan said. Yeah, they're not helping said, themselves, really. are they? No, no. It's, it comes back down to the, the arrogance of it all that, you know, the people that do rise to the top are, do seem to be a certain type of person. Agree. Mm-hmm. Horrible job. And the same nurses have it tough. Anyway, let's talk about two players that left the club. Um, Harry, Daniel Pedence has returned to Olympiacos. Really, really fell out of favour. Um, that means both of our top scorers from last season have now left the club. Um, they six. <laughs> uh, thoughts on him going? I mean, it, it really did come out of the blue, didn't it? And I, I, I think it's probably the right move for everybody. Uh, Matt Hobbs is running the, the club properly. He's made him sign a one-year contract extension so you know nothing ventured nothing gain if it doesn't come off uh, with a sale at the end of it I think it's a good piece of business for both parties isn't it yeah it shocked me like it, it come the day after the window shut for us didn't it obviously their window is still open all the rumors were that he was going to Saudi Arabia which made sense to me so but what a move for him to go back there he's obviously absolutely buzzing with that he was a bit of a bad egg wasn't he in our dressing room um, unfollowed us Really bad attitude. Obviously, you mentioned he scored a joint top goal scorer, so he knows where the goal is. And I thought he'd get another chance. He was my dark horse for the season. <laughs> God almighty. But yeah, good luck to him. Um, obviously, he's just going to go and sign for them permanently. That's why they extended his contract to get a bit of money. And as you mentioned, Matt Hobbs again, brilliant. He's been a breath of fresh air, I think. Because compared to Scott Sellers, it's like, you know, it's night and day in it from Scott Sellers, uh, the, Matt Hobbs, the way he's doing it. So fair play to him. Good deal all round. Um, and I'm, do you know what? I'm glad he's gone because it seems like he's upsetting everyone in the dressing room. Yeah. Jack, do you think it, it, it's a shame that it, it came to that? Because obviously we, we're all in agreement that he was better than Jota. <laughs> um, I just keep thinking, what do you get if you sell your two top goal scorers in the same transfer window? And the answer is usually relegated. That's um, not a very funny so... joke, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know. I just I, I I liked I liked Podence as a personality and for his contribution. And you know, sometimes he was a, a, a breath of fresh air with the way he played. You don't know what's gone on behind closed doors. I know he's a bit too active on social media sometimes, and sometimes that can bring with it a sort of negative cloud. But you know, he's given us some good moments. His goals really helped us last season. So I, I hope everything's okay, and I just wish him the best. Really, to be honest with you, that's how I feel. I know he wasn't getting in and around the team really with under the previous regime or the new regime. So fair enough. And if we can get a few million quid for him, fair play. And I hope, hope he has a good time in Greece. Dan, final word on Daniel Pedence. Yeah, I always sort of liked him. I don't think he sort of fulfilled his potential at Wolves. I remember speaking to a Tottenham fan when he signed and he just absolutely torn Spurs a new one playing for Olympiacos. Um, yeah, but his six goals we're not going to get this season. Yeah, he seems a bit... Seems a bit arrogant, and it, there's clearly a change in the guard at Molyneux, and the, it, we need some fresh faces. So maybe it was time for him to move on, and he's got a nice move for himself. So best of luck to him. Glad we brought Matt Doherty back then. Uh, fresh faces. Uh, Harry Nunez posted on Instagram. Uh, I'll read it out. 
The time has come to say goodbye to the club that allowed me to play in the best league in the world and to the club for whom I've always had deep admiration and respect. Thanks to Wolves, the staff, my teammates and especially the extraordinary fans for their unwavering and heartwarming enthusiasm and support. I really appreciate the meaning of the word commitment and and that was (laughs) what was always present in my daily attitudes over a year that will remain in my memory forever. I could have a lot to say about the real reason for my departure and how it happened but will only say that the fans deserve all my respect, affection and deep admiration. Everything happens for a reason, however incomprehensible it may seem at first sight, but the future I'm sure will clarify it and probably at that time everyone without exception will understand the reason for this last troubled week. Thank you Wolves fans, I will never forget you. Well, sounds um, like a breakup letter, didn't it? It's <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. We'll forget um, you, you swat. Yeah. Um, I, I just yeah. think that's a load of gobbledygook, and it's obviously his agent or someone who's told him to do that because, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, he's a disgrace that he didn't train. It's not a good look for him, even for the Man City fans to see that. It's not a good look. At the end of the day, he should have just kept training. We knew he was going to go. Obviously, he's going to want to go to Man City. Wolves fans have been like, fair enough but he's left a bad taste. And when we play City in a few weeks, he's going to get absolute dog's abuse. He'll probably score an hat-trick, but he's still going to get booed by the South Bank. So have that, Nunes. (laughs) Uh, Jack, like I say, you know, down tools. I think we've seen in very quick succession, both managers and players, when it comes to contracts, they really aren't worth the money that they're written on. And it it seems that if you're a club owner, you really do get stung by these pieces of paper. And it, as soon as you don't want to work and and the the economy of of scale isn't quite working out for these people anymore and they go okay we'll just pay me half i mean lopetegui walks away with millions and obviously nuno's forced through a move and put wolves in a very very difficult position despite being our player i mean also the, the thing yeah it works both ways as well and yeah he needs to at least turn up for training fair enough if you think man city are interested and it's just before the transfer window i'm not expecting you to be diving into every tackle in training just at least just turn up and you know have a kick about and you know take it semi-seriously i think that's you know all we ask his red card leaves a bit of a weird taste in the mouth because uh, i'm still suspicious about that because he deliberately got suspended for the next game before the transfer window shut. So I think he must have had some whispers, particularly when conversations were going on before Wolves knew about it, which again is bad. So he must have known about this interest and this deal was being made on personal terms with Man City, potentially even before the people around him at the club did. And when I said at the start, it works both ways. If he'd have come in on his first game from sporting and broken his leg, he'd have still wanted to get paid. So it's not very respectful to him to uh, you want the contract then if suddenly he he's you know goes through re- rehabilitation comes back for a game then does his acl it's to, on the sideline for two years he still wants his money so why is it any different when we want him to turn up for training when we're still paying him 100 grand a week and he's only one Great year point. into a contract Great it's point. it's you know I, it, that, that's where it's a bit of lack of respect i think dan no totally agree i hope he get he's going to get dogs abuse i just i hope that it's annoyed one of the wolves players that he hasn't turned up, one of the big ones, hopefully, and they just—they seemed to like him, didn't they? He got on a cunya really well, anyway. Yeah. I'd love, oh, hopefully, yeah. Wouldn't you just Dawson love just two foot him right in the shin? Kevin Muscat, jo- yeah. Mm. Jose Sara probably be passing out from the back to one <laughs> <guys> and- <laughs> <laughs> I I found out a very interesting fact about Nunes actually, and uh, he. I don't know if you know this. He is the only Wolves player ever that could eat an apple through a tennis racket. I'm glad he's gone. Excellent. Right. Okay. Uh, That's people that have left, sadly. Um, 
I know <laughs> I know that um, something interesting came in the post for Bayliss, but we're, we're going to go on to that next week, I think, um, because Harry has done us a quiz. Right, before I start, is my internet old enough? Because I'm about to host this, so if I keep yeah. dropping out, yeah, I'll be yeah, good. Yeah. You're right. Brilliant. So, lads, three questions each. There is a Brucey bonus round. Should we just go in order as usual? Sam, Jacqueline, Bayliss? Yep, whatever. The theme, the theme is Wolseley Liverpool mixed with a bit of England. Oh, Topic okay. of the week, isn't it? So let's start with you, Sam. Let's get going before the internet drops out. <laughs> Wolves, right, Sam. On the 29th of December, 2010, oh. Wolves beat Liverpool 1-0 with a goal from Ward, the famous one. But who was Liverpool's manager that day? I think that was Roy Hodgson's last game or somewhere close. Oh, Roy Hodgson. Correct. Well done. Was that an easy one? I didn't know that. Like, yeah. That's a good. I knew Sam would know. I should have given that someone else, shouldn't I? Well done, Sam. Very good. Thank you. Um, back, we we'll go to Jack. Steve Ball scored it, against uh, Scotland in 1989. <laughs> but which player did he come on for on the 31st minute? Oh, bloody hell. That's what we call a stinker. Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker. Oh, no. Is I it think Gary it, Lineker? Do you know what? I'm a bad guess. No, it's not. It's uh, John Fashionu. <laughs> Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Good guess, though. Sorry, sorry, Bayliss. Bayliss, you've been left in with the 1901. You love that. Harder than, than that. <laughs> like, come on. But, but Jack, my dad would have been shouting at the bloody radio then. Not Harry, I wasn't alive then. Every, every, <laughs> everyone knows it's John Fashioning. Well, let's just get this one out of the way then. Bayliss, who assisted Steve Ball for that goal in that game? <laughs> He's back. <laughs> He's a right back. He was a right back for England. Ah, don't don't say Gary Neville for fuck's sake. How's your later eighties England right backs, Dan? <laughs> yeah, imagine. Oh, in hell, Harry. Uh, I have no idea. Sorry, not a clue. Okay, That's I never knew it was. Do you want to, does anyone else want to guess or I comments? Do they know? No comments. Don't know. And no one's in the I comments. Even, I couldn't even. I wouldn't even. A butcher? Or did you say right back? Yeah, right back. Uh, no. no, it's a bloke called Gary Stevens. No idea. Oh, Big G. I thought you might know because you know, it's such Mr. a famous Gary goal. Stevens. You call yourself Wolves fans. I thought one of you might know that. Uh, right, next round, Sam's 1 0 up. Good. Yeah. Good, good, that Sam's was a hard question as well. Yeah. At least it was, was a bloody question. Mine, mine was probably next the hardest Sam, question. What colour is a fire engine? <laughs> I know this. Well, one. now now Sam's got a, an England question. Sam, to you. Oh, yeah. Matt Jarvis made his debut against Ghana in a one-one in a friendly. Who did he come on for in that game? Oh, bloody hell! Ah, uh, were you sick of you... us doing well at your quizzes, Harry? It's, Is that what's happened here? <laughs> like... It's 20, 2010. 2010. Oh, is it midfielder? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. No, uh, I'm going to go for uh, Joe Cole. Oh, and a bad guess. It was Jack Wilshire. Oh, that's not a like for like sub, is it? No, but obviously they might have been tested out friendly. Yeah. Uh, back round to you, Jack. Wolves beat Liverpool 3 0, February 2023. Yeah. This year, last season. Yeah. Who scored an own goal for Liverpool that day? You know, it's really bad. I've got a mind blank against this game for some reason. I don't know why. Was it the bald bloke? Was he bald? 
You had about 20 points, probably. He was bold, I think. Is he bold? Was I there? Yeah. Mm, probably, yes. probably not. Uh, I think I know it. Come on, have yeah, a guess, I Jack. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Is it, is it Matip? Matip, isn't it? It is Matip. Uh, he, he's Sam's he's got bold, it. It's Matip. Yeah. Yeah, he's bold. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, it, it, Huang put it across and uh, yeah. he put it to his own net. These questions are hard this week, aren't they? I thought these were easy. Fun we fact, those shit, first though. five are off the top of my those first five are off the top of my head as well. No, they were not the Gary liar. Stevens. One. That's yeah. a lie. The Gary, <laughs> Gary Stevens one's a lie. Have you got I'm Stevens on the back of that one? one. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bayliss, in January 2011, Wolves beat no Wolves lost 3-0 at home to Liverpool. Which two pundits got sacked for calling Cyan Massey so many bad oh, words and saying she don't know the Cyan. offside rule? Sean, 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 Sean. They said she done, and then it turned out they said she done on the offside rule. They they questioned her body. That's the easiest question so far. She made, she she made, she made. But but you know what's funny about this? She made the right call. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. 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 And who was it? Two pundits. Um, God, the one that played for Wolves, Andy fucking. Andy oh fucking... God, I'm going to get wrong. And, oh my God. Andy Jockman. Andy, Andy Jockman. Don't help it. I don't have his name on the tip of my tongue. Andy Jockman. I need both presenters. I need both presenters. <laughs> Andy Jockman. Andy. <laughs> don't help him, comments. Don't help him. Don't do it. <laughs> Andy Gray. It was Andy Gray. And, yeah. and it was... Former, former Wolves Cup winner, yeah. And? You're not getting the point. Let's get the other one. <laughs> gonna have to Did you smash it, down. Jamie? Did you smash it? When you said to Jamie Redknapp. Did you smash it? Right, I think you got it wrong. You I don't know. know. Oh my god, you failed. What was it, lads? Someone say. Uh, Richard, Richard Keys. Keys. Richard oh. Keys and Andy Gray. Oh. No points. I knew it was Andy no Gray. Points. Andy Jock. Round two. Sam- oh, Andy Jockman. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually Sam's name. the only one with the points so far after two rounds. Yeah. Can you believe it? You yeah. should have got that. Jesus Christ. Andy Jockman. Back round to Sam. Last round, and then we got a Brucey bonus. January twenty eleven. Wolves lost 3 0 in that game, so we're on the same game again. Jeez, Fernando Torres. Again. Fernando Torres scored two goals. Which former Liverpool midfielder scored an absolute screamer that day for Liverpool? Like an absolute worldy top corner. Which, which former Liverpool player? Well, obviously, yeah, he played for Liverpool at the time. They beat us 3 0. Torres got two. And then this player scored an absolute worldy midfielder for Liverpool. Who was it? Shabby uh, Alonso. No. Anyone want to hazard a guess? John Steam Rath. Oh, Ben Ayun? No. No. Jack, any guesses? <laughs> I've got no idea. Gerard. I, I remember this goal because I had a season ticket at the South Bank at the time. And it was, what apart from Neves' goal, I think it's the best goal I've ever seen at Molyneux. It was Raul Morelles. Remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nope. It was an app. Go back and watch it on YouTube. Something. It was an absolute Steam Rath top corner. Yeah. A bit like Neves' is, like same sort of thing, but he didn't control it. But God, you're all crap. Um, Gary uh, Stevenson. <laughs> Jack, for three well, Sam's still winning. So Jack and Sabale is one of you needs to get an answer right to level it up here. I don't think we will, Harry. <laughs> Jack, January, January 2012. So exactly a year later, Wolves lost 3-0 at home to Liverpool again. But which former Newcastle, West Ham and West Brom striker opened the scoring for Liverpool that day? Newcastle, Ooh. West Ham, and Albion, you... West Brom, the three of the clubs he's played for. Play for Liverpool. Yes, they beat us three 0 
striker. Oh, don't look at the comments. Don't look. I don't Good move. Look. Oh, shit. Yeah, again. well, yeah. I want to say, no, no, Kieran Richards is a stupid answer. Um, West Ham striker. Peter Crouch, Newcastle, no. West. I don't no, know. You, you can't have that. Andy Carroll? Oh, God, I forgot about him. I thought he was training with he us. He just made the move. Um, I was going to add Reading in there as well, because I didn't throw you off like that. He was at Albion, money for a few games. Yeah, yeah. Reading would have helped. Reading would have helped, yeah. actually. I, oh, yeah. I didn't want to give you that. 35 million, he hadn't long signed, yeah. And the other two goals that day was Craig Bellamy and Dirk Coit, believe it or not. So they beat us 3-0, right. two Januarys in a row. Sam Bayless, oh, you need to get this. Oh, Sam's won. Oh, no. No chance. Bayless, Connor Cody scored one goal for England against Wales in a 3-0 win. Who put the ball in for him to score that goal? Well, I reckon it was a corner, wasn't it? It was a corner that mm. went deep, is it? It was no? a free kick, a big deep free kick, big free diagonal. Kick. And he tapped it in the back post. So yeah. who was taking free kicks a couple of years ago from that sort of position? Don't wait for the comments. I'm not. <laughs> He's definitely waiting for the in, There's nothing in the comments. Oh, yeah, I'll say Henderson because they love picking him. No, not a bad guess. It was Kieran Trippier. So yeah. that does mean Sam has won with one correct answer out of Look nine lads. You're awful. Well done, Sam. Amazing. Brucey bonus. Think... Brucey bonus. In that England game, when Cody scored his goal, the two other goal scorers that day were both making their debuts and both scored. Who were they? Two strikers. Callum Wilson? No. Good guess. Similar. I, I don't know. Pass. Oh, what's what's his face? Um, at, uh, from uh, Andy Jotman, the gambler. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what's his name? Ivan Tony. Is Harry frozen? Harry's gone. I think Harry's frozen. Right. Calvert Lewin. Oh, Maybe yeah, we'll okay, never know. Harry, cool. Harry's frozen. He's died. Uh, we'll get back to you next week on the big fat quiz of the week. <laughs> we'll say goodbye to Harry Mansell. Goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye to Jack Williams. Bye. <laughs> we'll say goodbye to Andy Jockman. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. And it's, and it's a goodbye. Actually, I'm, I hope Harry it's comes back because this, this stream won't won't end. <laughs> we'll just, Harry's, you know, Harry's back. Uh, what are the answers? What are the answers? Tell us where you go. Can you see me? I'm, I'm, I'm on yeah, the yeah, Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. What were the answers? Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Oh, yeah, someone said that. Yeah. And Danny Ings. Danny Ings. Sorry, Danny I, Danny I, Ings. I don't know what happened. I think I've run out of data okay. on my 4G. That's, that's <laughs> Just end the stream. It's fine. <laughs> Just finish. Uh, put out his misery. That is a goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, Trevor. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.